When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You are listening to the Fly the W670 podcast. It is season number two. It is episode number 50. And in this part of the podcast, Crawley interviews Greg Hughes from Northside Bound to discuss the current state of the Cubs farm system. Joining me now on the Fly the W podcast, we have Greg Hughes from Northside Bound. Greg, how are you doing, buddy? I'm good, man. I'm glad to be back on. I uh, I know we we had some trouble organizing this because I had we had storms down here and and had a had a bad power outage for quite some time. So I'm glad I'm, I'm finally able to hop on and and talk prospects. That's what I do. I talk prospects. So might as well do it here. Right. You do that for Northside Bound and 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 you guys kind of did something that was really fun. It was called Prospect List Week. Um, tell everybody that that may not be familiar with what you guys do over at Northside Bound. What's Prospect List Week? Yeah, so so over at northsidebound.com, that's we we cover Cubs prospects. That's the only thing we do. We we cover a lot of Cubs prospects, and it's uh, found, uh, co-founded by me and then Greg Zumak and Todd Johnson, uh, as well as as Jimmy Nelligan back in the day. Um, and then we we brought on a, a couple other writers and photographers and and the whole squad. Um, so we just we cover Cubs prospects. That's what we do. And this past week, uh, last week, we did our midseason updates of our prospect lists. So. Um, it, we kind of wanted to hit on, on updating those lists right as we led into draft season drafts coming up uh, this upcoming weekend. Um, but we wanted to update our, our, our list and, and we figured the way that we look at it is between me, Todd and Greg Zumak, uh, we all look at prospects in different ways. You know what I mean? Like I, I value something in a prospect differently than what Todd does. Um, and so we kind of all wanted to put together our individual list and we did that Monday, Tuesday and Wednesday of last week. And then we came in behind that and did kind of our cumulative list. We took, we gave scoring, we gave points for all of our rankings and gave a North side bound cumulative list on Thursday. And then on Friday I put together, um, it was a fan driven fan created prospect rankings, which was really fun. Uh, basically I gave fans everywhere the opportunity to vote on who they would rank higher as far as prospects go. And it spit out basically, basically it's your favorite prospects. Um, and we got over 70,000 votes on that, on that uh, pro- fan driven prospect list. So it was a, 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 a week full of lists. That's for sure. <laughs> and so I wanted to talk to you about your list right here, because, you know, we're kind of, I guess at the major league level, you know, we're starting to wonder buyers and sellers. And, and this kind of gets to a point, if you are, I don't know if they're going to be buyers to be honest with you, but if you are a buyer, these are the prospects that people are going to be kind of, these are the lists, same type of list that people are going to be going over to see who they want to trade. If the Cubs, you know, were interested in trying to pick up somebody with, you know, postseason experience or, or big name players. So it, it, you know, when I look here, you divided it up into tiers, correct? Yeah. Yeah, I did. I did. Which was, which was important because I think that it, I, I feel like people take too literally the difference between a guy ranked seven and ranked eight or whatever it might be. And it's like, really, I, I would listen to arguments within these tiers I created. I think I went six tiers, I think is what I did. Within those tiers, I would listen to any argument of, of a player ranked 
um, say, 26 versus a player ranked 18. If, if you think that the 26th ranked player is better than the 18th ranked player, fine by me. I'm not going to argue too much. I'll listen to what you have to say. It's important to keep in mind those tiers, not necessarily just like one, two, three, four, all the way down to 40. You know what I mean? Right. And and so, I mean, I think there, there's very little dispute over who's number one in the yeah. eyes of pretty much everybody. And that's PCA. Um, the question now, because he's going to be playing in the Futures game coming up during the All-Star break, is does PCA get promoted after, say, the uh, the Futures game? Up to Iowa? Yeah. Yeah, I, I think that uh, if, if I was betting, I would bet, yeah, that, that his – his time, um, once he hits the Futures game, his time in AA is up. I think that, that we probably see him assigned to AAA Iowa coming out of the Futures game. I, I, I don't have any any background knowledge of that. I haven't talked to anybody who's told me that. I just I think that seems like a pretty logical step for him to go up to, to AAA after that after that game. And, and what do you think he's done this season that impressed you the most so far compared to last season? I think – what's impressed me the most with PCA is that he's continued to do what he did last year. Right. So last year it was, it was that power that he was showcasing that we didn't, we really didn't expect to see that power at all when he came into the Cubs system. Um, and so he showcased some power down in Myrtle beach and down in South bend um, his first full season with the Cubs system. And we were kind of entering this season. We're like, all right, is that legit? Like, is that really going to continue? Or is that, that just kind of an anomaly? What are we looking at with PCA? And it's continued on this year. And that's super, super important. I think that's that's a, a huge element in like making sure that he is not just that. I mean, I say just, but not just that gold glove caliber defender in center field. Like he's a bat to go along with it. So it's the fact that he's like proven that that pop in his bat is not something that he left back in 2022. Now, you know, when I take a look at your top tier, your tier two, those are looking more at the top 100 guys. And I remember when Kane Horton was drafted, there was a lot of people that were unhappy with that draft pick, but the more he pitches, the more and more he's starting to change people's minds. Yeah, dude, I honestly, this is kind of perfect. Like talking about Kane Horton here as the draft is getting ready to happen. And we know, like we know the Cubs are going to draft somebody on Sunday and fans are going to freak out. Like they're going to be like, Oh, this is the worst pick in the entire world. It's like, we don't know. Like we, we can't say that within five minutes after the Cubs drafting a first rounder that he's an awful pick. Like we can't say it because that's what happened last year, right? People went out and said that Kate Horton was the worst pick ever. That they they were looking at his ERA. They looked at his college ERA from last year and said, "Oh, this is a guy that had a four and a half ERA or a five ERA or whatever he had," and said like he was he was an awful pick. And it's like, man, if the Cubs didn't didn't take him, then the next team was going to take him. You know what I mean? And it's like now he's proving that why like you can't necessarily look at that full ERA as he's coming off Tommy John surgery before he he developed that slider before he was like the pitcher that he's he is today so um he's been Kate has been incredibly incredibly impressive I have him as my number two ranked prospect in the system right now um I think that there there's that that uh, grouping of Cade and Ben Brown and Jordan Wicks and Jackson Ferris those are the top four guys for sure in terms of pitching in my eyes um, but I've got Kate above all of them. I think he's just really impressed me between the fastball, slider, curveball, changeup. All four pitches have been a lot better than what I expected. I, I guess I expected the slider to be really good. But besides that, all the other ones have been really solid. Now, you mentioned Ben Brown and Jordan Wicks and some of those guys. Um, obviously, Kate is in South Bend right now. But Jordan Wicks just got promoted to Iowa. And Ben Brown's been in Iowa for a little bit. 
you know, who knows what's going to happen at the trade deadline. Say you do lose Marcus Stroman and they decide to be sellers uh, or let's God forbid, even Kyle Hendricks, you know, any, anything's in there. Who do you see as being, you know, obviously Ben, if you're talking about Ben Brown, and Jordan Wicks, which of the two do you think makes it up first? Um, I'm going to go with Ben Brown because he's already 40 man. He's already on the 40 man roster, but, uh, and he made it up to Iowa first. But I don't feel real confident in saying Ben Brown over Jordan Wicks. I mean, like you said, Jordan, they're both a triple-A now. Uh, they profile super, super different. Like, they're, they're different pitchers entirely. Ben Brown um, is kind of that that two-pitch mix guy where he's got a really good fastball and a really good breaking ball. I know he calls him like a, a separate curveball and a separate uh, slider. But really, to me, it's just manipulating the same breaking ball. I'd have to talk to him a little bit more about the grip that he, ha- that he has with that. But – um, and then, and I think that he has potential to be like a top of the rotation, like a number two type guy in a, in a, in a rotation, but he also, the, the floor is way lower than Brown where like he, he could fizzle out. He could be like a reliever and a, and a pretty damn good reliever too, uh, but a reliever where Jordan Wicks, I view him as like a number three, number four, number five starter long-term. And like that, like he just shouts like number three, number four starter to me. Um, now- so because they're so different, it's hard to like, say who's going to be in Chicago first, you know? Yeah. And so I'm, I'm kind of looking at the list. And the one thing that shocked me was when they re-signed Ian Happ, I mean, you know, for a lot of different reasons, but one of them being, you know, I look at your list and how many of these players, how many of these top players are outfielders. You have Kevin Alcantara, who's in uh, South Bend. You have Mm -hmm. Owen Casey, who's in, uh, who's in uh, Tennessee, Mm-hmm. You know, you're, you're looking at some of these guys, he, you know, Brennan Davis, unfortunately the injuries kind of keep setting him back a little bit, but you still also have Alex Canario who is back from his stint on the IL from that horrible injury he suffered this winter. What mm-hmm. have you noticed about Canario since he's come back? Yeah. So he's been, he's been down in, in South Bend and he still has that. It's, it's too soon to tell for sure. Right. I, I think he's still working his way back from injury. He is still down in South Bend on, I think it's, I don't know if it's technically a rehab assignment or technically just an assignment to to South Bend, but whatever it is, um, I I think it's important to keep an eye on that explosiveness because that's what makes Alexander Canario like so, so impressive. Uh, The, the, the numbers aren't looking good yet, but it's like, I don't, I I really couldn't care less from a guy coming back from an injury like this. So uh, it's worth keeping an eye on that explosiveness. I, I, I haven't, I haven't seen enough to say, yes, it's for sure back or no, it's, 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 it's gone. It's gone forever. You know what I mean? So too soon to tell on that, but you mentioned like the Ian Happ extension and how as well. I, I, I think that come, even coming from a prospect guy like me, I know you're a prospect guy too, that like I, I to me, like you extend good players. Right. I, I could not care less like about, like you could have the number one, the number one system in all of baseball annually, like every single year. But if you have a good player, like you keep it like, in the major leagues, you keep them on, on your roster. Um, and then you deal with what to like, you, you deal with the Dodgers issue of the past, like what, 15, 20 years where it's like, all right, once, once the, the, the prospect is major league ready, then you figure out what to do. You deal from your, your major league roster, you deal from your prospects that are ready, whatever you need to do. But yeah, I mean, I think that Brandon Davis is a good example, right? Where like you, 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 you you're very hopeful for prospects, but you can't bank on them. And I, that, that's where I, I've, I've tried to hit home that point. Um, for a decade in covering prospects now is that, that you're, you can always be hopeful. You can always be optimistic, but 
it's just if you're if you're relying on your major league team to like on a guy who's in double A or a guy who's in high A, then you're not constructing your major league team correctly. Now, I know sometimes you and I have talked about like the highs and lows that come with a prospect and everybody was clamoring for Matt Mervis. Get him up to the big leagues. And, you know, it's, it's, it's hard. I mean, it just it really is hard when you get up there. And now you don't hear too much about Matt Mervis. How's he doing since coming back to AAA, in your opinion? Yeah, he's looked good. He's looked good back in AAA. Um, I think that I think that fans did a pretty decent job of like tempering their expectations and not putting Matt Mervis's the savior expectations on him because that wasn't fair to him. He's going to go through an adjustment period. All prospects go through an adjustment period. It depends on if it's right out the gate. It depends on if they're they're explosive and then struggle like Christopher Morel did last year. Um, Matt Mervis is definitely too good for AAA. Um, and he's proving that in returning back to AAA after his major league stints. Um, but just because you're too good for AAA does not mean you can't continue to work on things. Um, so he took what he what he learned from being not quite good enough at the major league level, and he can work on those things specifically down in AAA. And I think that's super, super important. Now, who would you say that wasn't on your list last year that is on your list this year that really excites you? Who are a couple of guys that all of a sudden you're like, Okay, th- this this is a guy right here. We got something here. Yeah, I think that I'll go with two guys. One that was on my list previously, but has risen pretty like pretty significantly, and then one that was not on my list at all, um, and is now a top fifteen guy in the system. First guy is Moises Ballesteros, who I had pretty pretty far. I mean, not not pretty far down my list. I, I was I was optimistic about him, but he's just been so damn good this year. Um, he's he's a 19, 19 year old catcher as of right now, um, up in South Bend. And the what he does at the plate is extraordinary. Um, I he is hitting for power. Um, he's using all fields. He is not striking out. He is walking a ton. Uh, he looks really, really strong at the plate. It, it, it reminds me a lot of what we saw from Owen Casey when he was a younger player. Well, I mean, he's still only twenty years old. But when Owen Casey was down in low A and single A or and, and high A. Um, when he what he did at the plate, Moises Ballesteros reminds me a lot of that. But he's also not striking out. Owen Casey has always ridden a strikeout rate close to thirty percent. Moises Ballesteros is down closer to fifteen percent. So um, really strong performance from Moises Ballesteros. He is now the number ten prospect in my in my in the system in my in my eyes. Really really strong. And then the other guy who was not on a list at all. And now he's up to 14 is Jefferson Rojas, who is a middle infielder. He's a shortstop, second baseman, third baseman. He's been managed shortstop for the most part um, down in, in, in low A uh, Myrtle Beach. And Jefferson Rojas like looks the part. dude. Like He's, he's 18 years old, um, but he's, he's kind of built already. I don't know if you got the chance to see him at all, but he's kind of built for an 18. I mean, not kind of. He's definitely built for an 18-year-old. He's built in general. Uh, but he looks good at the plate, uh, pretty fluid at the plate. Like not a whole lot of wasted movement for the most part um, and good movements out in the field too. So Jefferson Rojas is a guy who's really, really popped on the radar. I, I, did, I got to, like I said, when I went to Myrtle beach, it was phenomenal. Cause I did get to see Jefferson. Um, I did get to see Moises and t- I actually talked to Moises a little bit yeah. and that, that was really cool. And then the other guy is Michael Arias that I was just like, Oh my God. You, yeah. You, you know, like you can only, you could see so much on TV and feeds, but like I was in like the first row and I'm like watching this kid, like just absolutely deal. And I'm like, oh man, this guy's, this guy's got something. He's nasty, dude. My, Michael Arias is, he's, he's gross. He is, I compared him in my, my article to Luis Devers from last year in terms of 
how he popped onto radars um, and how his like best out pitches is changeup. But what Michael Arias has that Luis Devers did not have last year is a high nineties fastball um, and a pretty good slider to go with it. Right. The command isn't not isn't, isn't quite as there, but it's gotten better as the season's worn on. Michael Arias is gross, dude. Like he's, he is nasty. Yeah. I really enjoyed watching him play. And so, and, and pitch, it was just phenomenal. And, and, you know, one guy that's on your list that made his major league debut was Daniel Palencia, who, who you know, just out of, you know, he, boom, here he is up in, in Milwaukee and the, his first game, they, 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 he's in the extra innings in the 10th and 11th inning. What did you think of that? Uh, yeah, throwing him into the fire, man. Holy crap. <laughs> I, I, uh, I think that if there's a guy that's going to take to that pretty smoothly, it'd be Daniel Palencia. And he did. Uh, he, he's just got like that closer mentality, uh, since, I mean, now it's worth pointing out that like he was just converted to the bullpen literally like a little over a month ago. So this is brand new. And, and there's a lot of like different, like small things you don't realize that go into that conversion to the bullpen. It's like how to properly like warm up, like how to make, make sure you're ready at the, like the drop of a hat to start warming up and then get in the game. And like, you're going back-to-back days you're going every other day like your your schedule is just a lot different how you take care of your arm how you approach getting ready all that good stuff and he's still getting used to that like that that's still going to take some time but we know that we know that Daniel Palencia is really really electric on the mound right we saw this uh we saw this week uh the fastball in the triple digits um we saw that he has a slider he has really really good stuff um, and I'm, I'm so excited to see him up in, up in Chicago, dude. I'm like, I'm really excited. I, I think it's happened way faster than I would imagine. Remember this guy was in high a last year. He was right. pitching out of the rotation in, in South Bend last year. And now he's in Chicago. That's, that's pretty wild. That's, that's the thing that blows my mind is how quick he went through the system. Yeah. And, and you know, the, the one thing about your list that kind of made me laugh is, is, is your Miguel Amaya. And it was, you know, we, we've gotten a chance to see Miguel and, and, it just seems like he plays with a lot of control and wisdom for such a young guy. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's it is that, you know, I think a lot of Cub fans would like to see a little bit more of Miguel Amaya. Yeah. He's always like, even when he was super, super young in the lower levels of the system, he's always been a guy that's way more mature than what his age would indicate. Right. Um, every pitcher that I ever talked to and asked specifically about Miguel Amaya said that they love throwing to him, that they love having him, as their catcher. Um, and that goes along with that. That means something, you know, I, I think that's important. So um, yeah, Miguel Amaya has really, really impressed. And I think that at this point, like he's, he's, he's pretty close to being back to like what we dreamed of him being right. Like when he was in the lower levels, like we dreamed of him being a starting caliber catcher, at the major league level. And then he had those injuries and it's like, all right, well, he kind of fell down the list. The expectations kind of fell, but he's like, he, he was injured for quite some time and he missed that 2020 season. Like, it was a rough time for him. And now it's like back where like he's a borderline top 100 guy in, the, or in, in, in all of baseball. You know, he's a borderline top 100 guy. And, and there, there's a fine line. Dude. Like there's with catchers. There's such a fine line between a catcher that is a starting caliber catcher and a catcher that is a like a, a backup. But the difference is, is like the value in those two players, a starting versus a backup catcher is like huge like that's like a, a three or four win different like i guess three win difference in a player but the it's a fine line in their, their development path so it's really interesting with miguel amaya and with a guy like pablo Aliendo farther down the system 
You know, and the other thing that we've noticed is, is that pairing of Kyle Hendricks with Miguel Amaya. That's got to be helpful for him as well, you know? I love it, man. I, I, think, that, I think that is I, – I don't know whose idea it was, but I'm about it. I, I love whoever's <laughs> idea it was. I, I think that makes all the sense in the world, especially with Kyle calling his own pitches. I think that, that Miguel Amaya did a good job of calling pitches um, himself coming up to the system and, and managing a pitching staff. But, like, dude, like working with, working, working with Kyle Hendricks is about as good, of a, as, good as it gets. Right. That's just a totally different education. And, and, you know, the one thing I always keep saying is, you know, it looked like for a while that the Cubs had like, you know, that, that catcher was a position that the Cubs were really not doing much with in the minors. Now you're taking a look, you mentioned Pablo, Pablo and Aliendo, you, you mentioned, you know, Moises Ballesteros. Now we got Miguel Amaya and there's a couple other guys too, that, you know, it looks like catcher is now a position of strength for the Cubs. Yeah. I, so I, I, I don't know what I, I don't think I was on your show. I, I was on a show, a guest spot on a show uh, this past offseason when the Cubs um, did not resign when they didn't bring back Wilson Contreras. And I was talking about how I was just not surprised at all that they didn't bring Wilson Contreras back. And my, my thinking was that the Cubs have always, always, always loved a catcher that manages the pitching staff that has all those like other qualities besides like hitting the ball hard and 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 playing electric defense and stuff like that um they've loved that and they have that scattered all throughout their entire system pablo miguel amaya was that guy is that guy pablo aliendo is that guy where he can throw out runners he plays good defense he manages like players love him in the clubhouse um bryce windham is a guy in triple a right now that um he doesn't hit the ball hard he's not he's not hitting for hardly any power at the plate but he doesn't strike out. He walks a decent amount, and and he's super, super athletic. He's a freak athlete, and pitchers love throwing to him. Uh, Ethan Hearn is a guy farther down, not hitting a lick down in, in South Bend, but pitchers love him. So um, the Cubs have been developing this catching system throughout the entire organization that they just love these type of guys. And anything you're getting in addition to that, any like any offensive output from Pablo Aliendo or Miguel Amaya is just icing on the cake, really. Well, Greg, I appreciate you taking some time to hop out there. Where can our readers go online and and and, and your website to, to find more of your content? Yeah, you can find me on Twitter at Out of the Vines. You can find my podcast, Cubs on Deck, uh, anywhere where you listen to this podcast, um, Apple, Spotify. You can watch us on YouTube, all that good stuff. Um, and then overall on uh, northsidebound.com, I mentioned the draft is coming up. Um, and we are going to have a live draft show over at the North Sidebound YouTube page. I will not be hosting this year, but um, uh, my fellow podcast and, and, and writing hosts, uh, Todd Johnson and Greg Zumak, will be hosting that live draft show that is happening at 6 p.m. on Sunday night. Be sure to tune into that. We can see who the Cubs draft with their first overall pick. And we'll be looking to see your write-ups. Thanks for jumping on, Greg. I appreciate it, Carly.